Um, you know, we I uh, asked Clay and Sherilyn to, to uh, lead us this morning in worship about just how great a salvation we have. Amen? Um, our redemption is, is magnificent. It's marvelous. And um, matter of fact, it's so great that sometimes it's really hard to explain. Is that true? <laughs> you, know, it's so, you know, if I were to ask you, tell me about God's redemption or salvation, where are you going to start? It's, it's hard, isn't it? It's very difficult. And um, that makes it really difficult for people who are not in church and for people who, are not, um, who, who weren't brought up in church. Um, when we use words like redemption and salvation, what in the world does that mean? Is it giving you troubles? I'll be gentle with you. Thank you, guys. Um, it, it's, it's really hard to communicate, especially to people who are outside the church. I mean, where do you start, you know? Where, where do you begin? And, and sometimes that's kind of the difficulty with us. Um, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you knew that you wanted to say something? You've been in a conversation or you've been in, in a friendship with someone who's not a believer, and finally you kind of get the opportunity to share your faith, and then you're like, a little tongue-tied. It's like, where do I, where do I start? Where, how do I explain this? How do I explain this concept of salvation or redemption or, or uh, sanctification or all those other really good churchy theological words? How, how do you explain that well in a, to a believer? And how do you explain, explain it to someone just in normal conversation when you don't, you know, where you don't need to monologue for 20 or 30 minutes, but just in normal conversation? How do you express salvation? How do you do that? If if you've had trouble with that, or if you've had trouble with, you've gone into a conversation and you didn't know what to say so much that you walked away and you didn't say what you wanted to say or what you know you needed to say, and you wish later you'd have said something, uh, this sermon's for you. This, uh, this message is for you this morning. Um, I think we've all been there. I know, um, I remember a time I got to, uh, I, I, I felt the Lord just really leading me to uh, share my faith or uh, actually it was... Uh, whenever we are on beach reach, and uh, there were uh, a couple of uh, ladies there that were at the beach, and, and I went over there, and I started um, uh, just to open a conversation with them about God, and, and uh, uh, one of them said, well, both of our parents are Jewish. Are you telling me that they're going to hell? Uh, and, you know, that's a, that's a difficult one to get around. You know, that's a difficult one to, uh, to, 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 to maintain the situation or maintain the, uh, maintain the conversation. Um, it, it's a difficult thing, and there are always those things that might pop up, and you, we need to be really sensitive, and I can't express this quite enough, um, but we need to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading whenever we're talking to someone about Jesus Christ, because then again, it's not us who saves, is it? We are messengers, and we are vessels, but it is God who saves. In fact, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father enables them, right? So it's a work of the Holy Spirit to work in someone's life, even maybe before we show up on the scene, to prepare them to hear the message of the gospel, right? In fact, uh, uh, Paul would write that the eyes of unbelievers are blinded, right? They're blinded so that they can't see the glory uh, of, of Jesus Christ. They can't, under, they can't see it, and they can't understand it. And who removes the blinder? That's the work of the Holy Spirit in an, in an unbeliever's life. It's the first act toward salvation is where he removes the blinder, and he allows them to see the glory of Jesus Christ and the glory of the gospel, Amen. That's truth right there. Okay. Um, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, I want to just refresh a little bit. But if you're willing, 
to go and leave your comfort zone. You know, we all have good Christian friends that we'd like to hang out with, and, and we feel great comfort in, in huddling together, and we feel, you know, people who are just like us, uh, and over a period of years, if we're not careful, we won't be very close to any unbelievers, right, which is kind of why, the reason why the gospel doesn't spread like wildfire is we quit hanging around with people who are unbelievers over a period of time. But if you're willing to leave that comfort zone for a moment, just even for a moment or two, to spend some time with someone who's not a believer, if you'd be willing to develop a friendship with them and then maybe discover their stories, spend enough time with them that you've discovered their stories and then discern, Lord, when's the right time? What are the next steps? What part should I share with them? At what point should I open my mouth and, and speak to them uh, about what you have to say? We talked about that a little bit last week. Develop friendship with them. Discern or, or discover their stories. What's their life story? What's their need? What are, what are they needing? Where do they feel like they're at in life? And then you can kind of judge the next thing is discern the, the next steps. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to show you what should I say and when should I say it, all right? And then uh, the, the last thing is this, I would say, how, how do you... Um, how do you know, well, I'm sorry, how do you, well, I'm sorry, let me try this one more time. You don't just automatically earn the right to speak into someone's life, do you? If you meet someone on the street, matter of fact, who have had someone, even though you're a believer, who of you have had someone who just came up to you and, I mean, just began witnessing immediately, just, do you know Jesus Christ and just kind of ambushed you like that? Have you had that happen? Um, I, you know, I've had that happen. Matter of fact, the last time it happened, I was at a WT ball game in the men's room and, and uh, in the stadium. And you know, that place is hideous. I mean, it's just awful. And uh, anyway, there, well, ladies, oh, never mind. Uh, we'll talk about that another time. Ask me about that sometime. It's an interesting story. But, uh, but this young man came up to me. Actually, he was a teenager, young teenager, maybe 13, 14 years old. And he just asked me there as we were in the restroom, was asking me, do you know Jesus Christ? And uh, I said, well, yes, I do. And I admired his courage a lot. But you know the thing that I felt and like I think unbelievers feel, if we don't have take any time to know the people that we're witnessing to, what do they come away with? How does that make you feel when it doesn't really matter what you say, this person is going to tell you about salvation and the gospel? You feel good about that? Do you feel loved? Do you feel, you, you know what I mean? It makes a difference whether or not we're willing to um, love people or not, or if we're just trying to put a little notch in our gun, uh, you know, about sharing our, our faith. You know what I mean? You can share your faith in a way, uh, uh, well, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be judgmental whatsoever, but um, I, 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 when I was in college, I went with a group. There was a group in, uh, in between here and Amarillo. They're, they're still out, actually, and, and still do the, the work that they do. They do street preaching which is where they stand on the boulevard in Amarillo and, and, uh, and they yell, basically, people that they're going to hell unless they repent and turn from, from their sin. Um, I, I'm not going to judge that. Uh, you know, if, that if, if people come to Christ that way, that's fine. Uh, but I think typically, if you read the gospel, I think typically the way that people come to the gospel is the same way that Jesus had people come to him. He loved them. He had compassion on them. In fact, over and over and over again, especially uh, over and over and over again in the Gospels, we see that it was out of compassion, or Jesus had compassion on them, and he healed their sick, or he fed them, or he taught them. And over and over and over again, the center, the central point, or the motivation for Jesus uh, 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 sharing, teaching, or, or feeding, or healing people was love and compassion. 
And I think that's supposed to be, of course, where we're supposed to come from, right? Is from love and compassion and not just a desire to notch our, you know, put a little notch on our, uh, on our guns. All right. How do you move, though? How do you go from having just, uh, you know, talks about friendship, talks about things that you're both interested in? How do you move from that into a conversation that's deeper and spiritual? Can I tell you, there are just three words. It's you have to be with them. You have to do life with them. You have to earn the right to speak into someone's life. That's just how we are as people, right? Uh, if someone met you on the street and said, boy, you're dressed really poorly today, you'd want to, like, punch them in the face. We shouldn't do that, but you, but, but you might want to. Now, if your friend said, hey, uh, you might reconsider those pants, then you say, or your wife maybe says you might reconsider what you're wearing today. That's only happened a few times in my life, but, uh, but it happens. Uh, then, then that's someone who's earned the right to speak into your life, right? It, if you get the opportunity to speak in someone's life, then you have the opportunity to speak into their life about the spiritual matters. And the secret to going something that's beyond superficial to something deeper is to spend time with people. Are you with me? Okay. All right, be with them. All right. Um, so... When you get to the opportunity, when you've, when you've decided that you're going to leave your comfort zone and you're going to take an, a, a risk and you're going to step out there and you're going to interact with someone who's not a believer, you're going to develop a friendship with them, you're going to discover their stories, and you're going to discern the next steps, what do you say? What, what do you say? Can I tell you, and, and here's something that I can't stress enough, you have to listen for the Holy Spirit's leading. You have to listen. You have to, you, you have to uh, listen for his prompting, and you have to be very sensitive to what he's doing, okay? Uh, and, and no matter what I tell you or show you, the Holy Spirit always trumps whatever I teach you, okay? Are you with me? All right. And the Holy Spirit just takes God's word and uh, Jesus Christ and honors and speaks on his behalf. And, uh, and so, but I did want to share with you uh, something actually, this is something I learned 20 years ago when we went to Beach Reach, and something that's actually also in this book uh, that is uh, just a walk across the room. Uh, just very simply, how very very simply, how you can share the uh, very in a nutshell in a conversational way how to share your faith, how to share about God's great salvation. You with me? Okay, here we go. And the great thing is, it's an illustration. People remember pictures much more than they remember words spoken. True, true. Yeah, about 90, 97% of people w remember pictures better. This is called the bridge. Who's seen the bridge illustration before? I'm sorry, I, I was turned around the wrong way whenever you raised your hands. Okay, here's the bridge uh, illustration. And it starts very simply like this. And here, if you've, if you've got notes with you, take them, uh, uh, use them here. But here's the bridge illustration. It says that people are over here and God is over here. And that between that, that there's a chasm between God and people because of people's sin, because we have rebelled, because we've done our own thing, that there's, we, there, we have developed a chasm or a gap between us and God. Everybody with me? Isaiah 59.2, if you want to jot that down, Isaiah 59.2 says, Your sins have separated you from God. It actually determined the NIV is iniquities. But your sins have separated you from God. Um, and the dilemma that we face is that people and, and other religions other than Christianity try to bridge the gap. People try to bridge the gap by doing their own thing. People try to be good enough. They try to follow a, 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 a particular faith, and they try to get across to God. But, of course, we know as Christians that we can't 
earn God's favor. We can't bridge the gap ourselves. We can't cross the gap on our own because why? We've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So all other faiths other than Christianity, all other faiths are people trying to get to God. We're going from this side over to trying to get to God, but it's, it doesn't work for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's, of course, in Romans 3.23, right? Romans 3.23, jot that down. So here's a, a couple of things. that I, Let me just jot these down for you. Sin separates. Whoops, that's a Q, not a P. Sin separates. We all fall short. We all fall short. And the next thing is this. Where does sin lead, folks? The wages of sin, of course, is what? The wages of sin is death. What do we earn for? What, you know, what's a wage? Wage is something that we earn. What do we earn for a life of sin? Death. We earn death. That's, of course, from Romans 6.23. So sin leads to death. So we're in a predicament. But God, in his love for people, God, in his great love for people, did something to bridge the gap. Amen? Um, our lives would end in death, forever separated from God. Uh, but God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bridge the gap so that people can be connected to God. Through the cross... Of Jesus Christ, a bridge has been built. God has 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 uh, has uh, bridged the gap between us and Him through Jesus Christ. And if you don't remember any other verse besides uh, what I'm sharing with you this morning, or any other part, John five twenty four says this: "I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life." And he will not be condemned. He is what? Crossed over from death to life. Right? So that we can reach God through the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a very simple illustration. It took all of about a minute and a half to share. Yeah? And it's very simple and very powerful. It's something that demonstrates us where we were in our sin, where we were headed to in death, and yet Jesus Christ uh, uh, through Jesus Christ, we can reach God. Amen? Amen? Is that simple? God has a story, doesn't he? he? He's got a story about the redemption and the buying back and the saving of people, right? He would save all that he desires. He would save all that, uh, that would come to him through Jesus Christ. And uh, that is, uh, very simply, that is the, the, the bridge. I wanted to read with you about a guy. Now, th this is God's story, and that's what I wanted to share. There are two things that, that you need to be able to enunciate, e able to uh, communicate to people. The first is God's story. What is God's plan for salvation? And if you can lay out something like this, uh, there are about 100 others that are very, very simple to do. And actually, if you want to hear any more, I've, there are a few more that are maybe even simpler than this. But um, uh, if you would like to learn how to do, so, to do something, illustration like this, it's so very, very simple, 
that is a great thing to be able to do. You know, it's a great thing to be able to communicate to people. And it communicates kind of conversationally. You know, you can share with someone in about a minute and a half, and you don't have to monologue for 30 minutes about God's salvation. You can do it very simply, and you can do it in conversation, something that's very natural uh, for people. Um, But the next thing you need to be able to tell is your own story. What's God done in your own life? And you need to be able to do it in a way also that you can do conversationally, that comes easy to you, something that's easy for you to remember and easy to communicate and something that's very clear, all right? But first, I want to read from John chapter 5. If you would uh, turn with me to John chapter 5, verse 1. John chapter 5, verse 1. Would someone read there uh, verses 1 through 5? Bethesda? Someone else pick up in verse 7. Actually, let me explain just a little bit here. The pool in Bethesda was rumored to have a uh, healing uh, property that angels would stir the water and that whoever could be the first one to jump in the water would be healed from whatever disease or whatever was going on with him. This guy, unfortunately, was an invalid, and he could never get anyone to help him in the pool to be in the pool first. It uh, doesn't go on to say if that, you know, if it was true or old wives' tales or whatever. But anyway, in verse 7, he replies. Okay, so here are the the Jews and the teachers of the law, the really good, you know, solid folks. And they said to a man who had just been healed, (laughs) you can't pick up your mat and walk. It's the Sabbath. What are you doing? Kind of incredulous, isn't it? Can you believe it? Self-righteous, pious folks. Okay. Uh, And in verse 11, but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So the poor guy, I'm just doing what I was told, right? So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? They were going to go get him, right? Uh, The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now look at with me in verse 15. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. That's a great story, and again, it talks about the, just the hard-heartedness of the self-righteous and the, the kindness and the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ. So very different. Uh, but get this, too. When he went away, he went and he told the Jews, it was Jesus who made me well. Um, 
that's a great story uh, uh, about healing. It's a great story about a lot of things. It's a great difference between the, the Jews, the self-righteous, and, and Jesus, uh, which we are not supposed to be self-righteous, right? Uh, but um, uh, the, the last part of the story is what I want to focus on today. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. I want to ask you this morning, you have a story. You, we have all been healed, and we've not been invalids who have been made well, but we've been healed of our sin and our death sentence. Yeah? And Jesus Christ is the one who did it. We need to be able to enunciate and communicate and convey to people what has happened in our lives. What has Jesus done? And if I can use a really terrible illustration... If you haven't seen a friend of yours, here's one maybe more for the ladies. If you haven't seen a friend of yours for six months and they've said, I've been on this new diet or I've been on this new exercise regimen, what is the thing that you want to know? Have you lost any weight, right? True? Yeah, have you lost any weight? Or if, if, you have, if you've got a friend who's been going to a counselor and they're telling you about this counselor, one of the things that you want to know is, is it working for you? Whatever was going on with you, is it better? Is this counselor helping? Can I tell you that the same thing is true about what people want to know about Christianity? Is it real? Is it, does it really help? Is there really a God and a Savior who's interested enough in me to help me? And the answer we would say this morning is what? Yeah, yeah, there is. He's for real. He is for real. He has saved my life. He has saved my soul. And in my case, let me tell you, he's saved my marriage. He's made me a better father. He's made me a better husband. He's made me better at, 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 uh, at he's, he's rescued our finances. And I can tell you over and over again about what he's done in my life. But let me tell you this morning, if, if you don't have a, a, a cogent thought, about how to communicate that to someone, whenever you're put on the spot and your pulse is racing and your palms are sweaty and your, your mouth is kind of cottony, you're not going to be able to do it very well. So I want to ask you this morning, prepare not only to tell God's story of salvation, but prepare yourself to tell your story. Because, see, your little story is, is a little tiny part of the great big story of God's salvation and redemption of mankind. True? True? You need to be able to say, well, what has he done in your life? And to be able to answer it just very simply in a minute and a half to be able to communicate to someone. If you'll, if you'll think about it and if you'll, if you'll even maybe write it down, it would be a really great thing. Uh, and so it kind of comes down to a before and after thing. You know, this was my life before Christ and this is my life now. This is the difference he has made in my life. And so here we go. Let me just bring up a couple of people that we've talked about recently. Zacchaeus was gripped by, the, by, by, by greed, right? He was all about making money. But Jesus Christ came into his life, and he was what? Set free. Set free from greed. True? All right? He was gripped by greed, and now he's been set free. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was, before he met Jesus Christ, was self-righteous and pious. After Jesus Christ, he received grace and mercy for a life of, uh, you know, of self-righteousness and beating up on and even having killed some of the followers of Christianity. Uh, that was, but that was Paul, before self-righteous, after a recipient of grace. Let me tell you my story. Um, 
I can, I can talk about what God has done with me in, in the recent past, or I can talk about what he did with me in the very beginning. I became a Christian when I was 15 years old. It was the first time that, it was the time that I had come to Jesus Christ. But let me tell you what happened in that time. I was at the age of 15. I understood the gospel, and I understood that it, what it meant. And I understood this, was that I had sin in my life that I couldn't get out from under. And it brought shame, and it brought guilt into my life, and it was oppressive to me. And I came to Jesus Christ, and he took away my sin and my shame and my guilt and set me free from my own sin. Amen? Now, that was very specific to me. There are some people who have other things. Would you go ahead and, and bring up uh, that, that next thing, the next single, con the, the single concept in your life that's relevant you have a story that's going to be relevant to someone around you. What God has done in your life is real, isn't it? He has done something in you that is real and is a before and after thing. Now, we don't think about it enough, but something has happened in your life that is a before and an after kind of thing, and here it is. Maybe you were striving Maybe you were trying to earn God's favor. Maybe you thought if you did enough stuff that you could come clean to God and say, now here I am, I present myself to you. And since then, you're grateful because Jesus Christ did it for you. Amen? Maybe you're the second one. You were self-destructive. You were going through the terrible cycles of relationships and money and, and bad habits or addictions. And Jesus Christ uh, uh, brought health and healing and wholeness into your life. Maybe you're the third one there, that you were once guilty, once you felt so wrecked by your own lifestyle and your own terrible choices that you made in your past, but now you've been set free from that lifestyle and those terrible choices that you made in your life. Or maybe in your life you were once paralyzed with fear. You didn't know what to do. You didn't know where to go. You were fearful for your life. You were fearful for your finances. You were fearful there would be people who hurt you, but now you're confident because you have a hope and a future in Jesus Christ. Yeah? Maybe you're the last kind of folks. You were despairing. You didn't know what was going to happen in your life, and everything seemed to go wrong over and over and over again, but now you're hopeful because your future is certain in Jesus Christ. You with me? Now, what is the key concept in your life? If you were to say it like this, I lost my deal. <clears throat> I was, but now I'm, what is it? What is it in your life? And, and listen, uh, salvation comes to us very differently because God has made us very different people. Amen? We're all different people. He's made us all very unique uh, uh, creatures. And he comes to us, and he redeems us, and he saves us, and it means something different to each one of us. So if you were to say, if you were to get down to the nuts and bolts, you were once before Jesus Christ, but now you're what? You were guilty, but now you've been set free. You were uh, oppressed by your own sin, but now you've been liberated. You were fearful, but now you're hopeful. What is it in your life? And if you can get it to something in one sentence like that, then you can communicate it very clearly to someone who's lost. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, if you can just start with that, if you can just start with that, you'll be way ahead of the curve. You'll be way ahead in your ability to share your faith with someone. Now, there are other things that I can say here, and I hope you too, because it wasn't just at the moment of my salvation that Jesus 
Christ did something in my life. Amen? I can relate to someone with marriage problems. I can relate to someone who's, who's uh, not felt adequate as a husband or a father. I can relate to someone who's, who's struggled in, 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 in areas of marriage or whatever uh, because God is not through. But if you can get at least this far, at the moment of salvation, what was it that you were, what was it that the Lord did for you? What was it that, that he did in that moment of your salvation? If you can communicate that, if you can remember that, if you can work on that even, then uh, it'll be very meaningful for you to be able to tell someone who's lost. It's meaningful to be able to tell someone, Jesus Christ is real and he did this in my life. If you're able to do that and communicate that very clearly, uh, it's going to make a difference in the life of someone else. Amen? Amen, so be it. Um, I skipped a slide. Sorry. Let me go back one, um, Jennifer, please, to uh, what not to do. When you're talking to someone and you're sharing your testimony, there are some things that you should avoid. Um, here you go. You ready? The first one is long-windedness. You don't need to monologue for 30 minutes. I mean, people just don't interchange, interact like that, right? So that's one of the reasons why it's very important to just get the nuts and bolts about what is it that is, is salvation? What is it about what Jesus Christ has done in your life? What really communicates? And if you can avoid the 20-minute monologue in a conversation, you're going to be way ahead and be able to communicate someone about a very impactful thing about Jesus and his realness in your life. The next one is this, fuzziness. You know, it, it's very easy when you've walked with the Lord for 30 or 40 or 50 years or something to say, well, back, you know, just after the earth cooled, um, God came to me, and then, you know, 60 years of my life. Don't be fuzzy. Very specifically, you were lost, and now you are found. And just very, very specifically about how you can put that. Keep it simple, sweetheart. <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I, I, that was redeemed, uh, sanctified. Okay, Christian of ease. Boy, this is hard because we talk in these terms so much. Avoid words like redemption and salvation when you're speaking to a non-believer. Those words have very little meaning to them. Uh, personal Lord and Savior. What does that mean to someone outside of church? It has very little meaning to them. Uh, the next thing, um, superiority. This one makes me a little bit crazy. Don't act like you're the believer who has it all together taking pity on this lowly non-Christian. If you're going to do that, you might as well just close your mouth and let someone else do it because you're going to drive them away, right? Listen, you and I are pitiful creatures, and had not God had grace and mercy on us, we would be in the same boat that they're in. True? True. There but by the grace of God go I, someone once said. Uh, ambush. The last thing is, um, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, would you turn with me? I, I need to make a point here real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul was writing, we all know this chapter is the chapter of love. That's right. Chapter of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to what Paul's, Paul's writing about some crazy stuff right here. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. What's he talking about, tongues of men or tongues of angels? doesn't matter for this sermon today. All I would say is this. If you're able to speak in some in spiritual language but you don't have love when you do it, what is it by you? Nothing. Worthless noise. That's right. Verse 2. If I give, have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, so what's he say? I'm going to give away everything I own, even my own body, to the, to the flames. 
uh, die as a martyr for Jesus Christ, but I did it without love. I have gained nothing. Okay, if we ambush people with the gospel and we don't have love for them, what did it matter? What did it matter? You cannot separate an act of service or obedience in Jesus Christ from love. It can't be done. Whatever we do has to be done in love or it didn't matter. It bought nothing. Are you with me? Everything that we're motivated to do as Christians is motivated from love and compassion for people. Amen? There's no other way around it. There's no other way to do it. Jesus left us no other uh, alternative. There is only one way, and it is toward a greater love and, and compassion for people. All right? All right. All right, let's close. Let me, uh, let, me, let me say this. God has a story to tell to people who are lost. Amen? He has a story, and it's a story about redemption and salvation. It's a story about his great love for them and how he wants to reach out to them and save them. Learn to tell it well. Learn to tell it simply. Learn to tell it to someone who's never heard and doesn't know your Christian language, but can, you can speak it and say it in a way that they understand through something like the bridge illustration. Yeah? But that's not only it. You have a story too because God has moved in your life and you know he is real because he has done things in your life that can't be explained otherwise, right? He has moved in your life. You tell them your before and after story. Where were you and where are you now? If you can communicate that to someone that, who's far away from God, that'll be as meaningful a story as you can tell them. And stories have power. True? Stories have power. God's made us that way. That's why Jesus, when he talked, he told parables. Amen? Okay. All right. Um, and listen, God has moved in your life. Amen? He has done in your life things that you have even a hard time expressing because they're so great and big and marvelous. But he didn't only do it for you. He did it so that when you go to work, you recognize that you've just walked into a mission field. He did it so that when you were at school that you might see that there are people around you who are in the same boat that you were in, but for the grace of God. He did it so that whenever you walk, go into your neighborhood and you drive past your neighbors and wave and drive on into your garage or whatever, that you see, wait a minute, this wasn't just for me. This is for them too. Amen? Amen? All right. Well, let's dismiss. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have redeemed us. We thank you that you have saved us. We thank you, Lord God, that you have walked into our lives and that you have made such a difference in our lives, Lord God. And I pray that we would be, help us to be transparent to the people around us, that we could point them to you and say, look what he's done. Look what he's done. Look at his great salvation. Look, what his, look at his mercy and his grace toward me to forgive all of my sins. And he can do the same for you. Lord, would you give us those kinds of opportunities? Would you give us that kind of mindset that we think about the lost, that we consider them? We ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Spend a little time this week. Think about what, where the Lord has brought you. Think about what you were and where you are now. Would you do that? All right, listen, y'all have a great week. Thanks for being here.